Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And we just got through another National Signing Day. The double of the another. So, uh, uh, it's Notre Dame signed 27 players, uh, ranked number 9 according to the 24-7 uh, composite rankings. And we're feeling pretty good. Uh, so, uh, I am going to bring on Tom Loy uh, from Irish Illustrated 24-7 to, to talk a little bit about this class. Talk about, uh, I mean, th- this is a celebration time. We're, we're going to talk uh, some good stuff about uh, up and down Notre Dame's uh, commitment list, so, or signee list, that we should say now, uh, now that they're signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, so, but before we get to Tom's interview there, uh, I just want to remind everybody to get over to Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating. Please leave a review. All reviews uh, left over there, we will read on the next OFT podcast. I'm not going to read any reviews uh, that might be there right now. Uh, we're just going to we're going to stick to the uh, to the game plan with Tom here and uh, move on. So uh, here we go. All right, and joining me once again is 24/7 Irish Illustrated's Tom Loy, who is grinding so hard, had no idea a mini blizzard is going on outside his house right now. Tom, welcome to the show, and and how you holding up? Oh, holding up all right, man. Yeah, man, you caught me off guard asking if there was snow coming my way, man. I had no idea, but you know, <laughs> although I grew up in California, I don't mind the snow for a little bit. But I'm I'm starting to be ready for some uh, some warm weather. So, so oh, far, no, we're we're still in February, Tom. Clearly, I mean, we, got we need like, we need more feet of snow. <laughs> Not a huge fan of it, so. Uh, so. Man, let's get down to it. Notre Dame uh, finishes up their 2021 recruiting class, uh, 27 commitments, uh, still number nine in the uh, 24-7 team composite rankings, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, last time I looked, they were, yeah. I mean, that's a, a really solid haul. Uh, so just before we get into the into the uh, particulars about a few things, just overall uh, – your your opinion about this class and, and how it, um, you know, how it compares with the rest of the country. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of discussion about uh, is this a real number nine class uh, because of the amount Notre Dame was able to sign 27. Uh, but I mean, there's a kicker in there. There's a backup quarterback in there. I mean, so that, that brings you back down to 25. How do you feel about this class? You know, I'm, I'm really high on it. And I think that this class uh, and some of the individual players that are ending up at Notre Dame were hurt by not having either a senior season, um, a camp circuit, and things of that nature. Because there's there's some guys that that I know on paper they're three star recruits, but I think if you have uh, more eyes on them and you get to watch them more, and if we would have saw them in a camp setting like the opening or things of that nature, um, I definitely think that these guys there's some guys in this class that could have ended up in the four star ranking. I mean, in particular, I'm watching a guy like Ryan Barnes, who, you know, we at 24-7 had some question marks about his speed. We didn't really have great verified times. Um, honestly, the last verified time we had on him was a camp, I believe, early in high school that he was running like a 4.8 or 4.9 um, at, at Maryland. And that was the last verified time that we had. So I don't, you know, in talking to coaches at a school and people that know him well, they say that if he ran it right now, he'd be in the four or five range. I, you know, I would maybe even split the difference, but I would absolutely lean closer to four or five, maybe four or six when I watch him run. But the kid is rocked up. He's put on some great weight. 
Um, love the coverage skills. He's a smart, heady ball player. I think he could play corner safety again. So that's a guy that I think would have moved up the rankings if we just got something a little bit more clear about the speed numbers because he has everything else and he's got the intangible. So he's a guy I'm really high on, um, and, and a guy that I think, you know, obviously would have, would have climbed the, the lit, the rankings, but the other one, Devin, Pugh, um, not playing his senior season. Um, I expected a monster senior year for this kid, the defensive end out of California. He obviously um, decided to bypass everything and enroll early at Notre Dame. And you know what? At that point, it's like, you know, good for him. He's ready. To, he's focused on Notre Dame. He's focused on learning from Mike Elson and Marcus Freeman and those guys. So um, and I think that the, I mean, Notre Dame is is they're through the through the roof about this kid, man. They love his upside. They love his potential. Um, they love his size, his length, his speed, his quickness off the edge. Um, they just feel like this kid has a chance to be a, st- a star, um, in the coming years. I know UCLA was not happy about losing this kid. So, uh, again, that's another one. I think if we would have just watched him play as a senior, if he had that opportunity, uh, he would have been another four star. So there's a lot of guys that I just think this class, um, I think the perception could have changed quickly if they had more eyes on these guys. So, um, but overall, absolutely love the class. Um, offensive line group was really strong. Um, really high on um, wide receiver Lorenzo Styles. I think he's a true difference maker. Um, and obviously, you know my opinion about Tyler Buckner. And I, I think he uh, is a bottom half five star kid. Um, people are putting too much stock into a you know a single elite eleven performance, which I think is kind of kind of funny. But overall, uh, love that kid. Super talented. Very smart. Um, he's going to be a difference maker at Notre Dame. So. One of the things that uh, I know Irish fans are just, they're absolutely obsessed over. I mean, college football fans are in general, and that's five-star, five-star, five-star. And so uh, one of the more interesting uh, um, things, you know, this cycle was, you know, how how close Notre Dame was to um, to getting a guy like Will Shipley. Maybe it wasn't so close, but at least the battle was perceived to be close um, leading up to him picking uh, Clemson. So when I was going through back with my, I was starting to put together my grades for the class of the position groups and looking at running back, what I find interesting is that I, I think that I would have it, uh, if it would have been Will Shipley or Donovan Edwards, one of those two, I think I would have gave it an A plus uh, just for going out and getting that. I know Edwards is a borderline five, but it would have been on an A plus right now. I'm, I'm, I really, I'm, I give it a hard A uh, with estimate and Diggs. And then I start thinking about it more and more. I'm like, I really think Notre Dame, and this may sound insane, but I think they're better off <laughs> with the combination of Estime and Diggs rather than say then just let's just say Will Shipley. I think Estime brings something to Notre Dame's running back room they they absolutely do not have, and Diggs is a guy who re- I think reminds a lot of people of Kyron Williams. So if he needs a year or two, uh. Do you feel the same way at, at all about what I just said there? You know, I don't think you're crazy. Um, it's funny. You, always, <laughs> you can look at it and be like, all right, there's one top ranked kid and you got two pretty highly ranked kids. There's a there's a chance that one of those two ends up better than Will Shipley, for example. Um, you know, you can look at that and you can make an argument. And I think that may be where, and I don't mean you, I just mean in general, like a, maybe a homerish Notre Dame fan will be like, oh, well, we got two chances at, at one of these guys being better because they're both really talented. They both had all the offers you want to see, this and that. Um, the thought crossed my mind. Um, no question. Yeah, with Estebe, it's, it's, he's just, 
I mean, I, I'm obsessed with his highlight tape. Like yeah. I am absolutely obsessed with it. And so watching him, it's like, we don't have that on our roster. You know, we, we have a Chris Tyree right now and we'll, we'll have for a couple of years, but there's not an estimate on the roster right now. And I think that's what really got me over the hump of like, all right, this is, this is, this is legit. Maybe. And I even kind of gave a little bones like, eh, maybe it depends a little bit about what we do in 2022. But yeah, I'm kind of like through the roof with what they did at running back with these two guys. It's and it's a strong duo, no question about it. I mean, they were I forget exactly where I had them in the class rank like our final class rankings. I, I want to say they were both right around like number ten, maybe eleven and twelve, something around that around that mark. Um, both definitely top fifteen. I like them a lot. Um, and honestly, I'm higher on other guys. Um, I mean, both are four stars to me. Logan Diggs is a no brainer four star, in my opinion. Um, he's just, he's just such a good player. I mean, I'm really, really high on him, but I'm even higher on Audric. And I think that, like you said, he has something that, uh, is not currently on the roster at Notre Dame. And, um, I think he's a four star, no question. I thought he had a, he's been super productive at the high school level. So, uh, yeah, I think Notre Dame definitely had an, uh, a minus, uh, B plus class at the running back position. I mean, no question. Will Shipley, if you, if, if you're giving me a choice, I'm taking Will. I think he's the real deal. I think he's a tr- tremendous back and uh, great vision, speed, power, acceleration, um, agility. I mean, he has everything that you look for in a running back. The guy I was really high on, um, even higher than Shipley that I thought that I would have had in my five-star rankings is Donovan Edwards. Um, I don't know necessarily. I obviously don't think Notre Dame had much of a shot, especially when with his head coach going to Michigan. Um, and I'm I'm sure that was done a little, you know, well before that was actually made official. But, um, I think Donovan Edwards is a tremendous back. I mean, he's a five-star, no question for me. One of the best backs in the country, maybe the best back in the country, um, uh, outside of, uh, like maybe like a Travion Henderson, maybe Kamar Wheaton, um, but I think Donovan's the real deal. And he would, he would have been the guy that like above anybody else that Notre Dame was in, truly in the mix for, he would have been the most preferred at the position because man, him behind that Notre Dame offensive line, um, he's your combination of like a Logan Diggs with the speed, the power, um, and then everything Audrey Gestime does. So, um, he would have been the guy for Notre Dame if you, if you gave me a true preference, but yeah, um, you're not too crazy though. in thinking that maybe like, if one of hands out, <laughs> I'll be called crazy. But, trust me. Yeah, well, fair enough. But either way, I think that Notre Dame gets a lot of that out of their running backs, especially with Lance Taylor and Jeff Quinn kind of and Tommy Reese all working together to make sure the running game was better. I mean, they did a lot with Kyron Williams. They're going to do even more with Chris Tyree. So um, the future is very bright with uh, Diggs and Estime. Yeah. So, I mean, what Donovan Edwards won't have is the uh, to come in with these five offensive linemen. Um, and again, here's a group who. You know, you got a borderline five-star guy, a five-star on one side, Blake Fisher. Then you got Rocco Spindler, who, in my mind, is a is a real five-star uh, type player, and you know, maybe probably my second favorite. I mean, I, I really fell in love with Estime, but Sp- Rocco Spindler is just uh, he's one of those guys that you know everyone wants to compare him to Quentin Nelson, and we may not be that far off, but five guys, Joe Alt with a ton of uh, you know a ton of potential coming in. How do you assess their offensive line hall? Because you do have that top end there with like Fisher and Spindler. Uh, and then, you know, bringing in somebody like uh, Pat Coogan uh, there uh, from Chicago. Yeah. I mean, outside of Alabama, um, I guess maybe you can make an argument with Wisconsin as well. Cause I was really high on um, Nolan Rucci and Riley. Oh, yeah. 
Um, I think those guys are just tremendous players. Um, Notre Dame's class is an, along the offensive line is an A all the way. I mean, what a, what a class, um, Blake Fisher, Rocco Spindler. I mean, those are just not only were they great guys to deal with, but they were active recruiters for Notre Dame. Um, Blake, especially throughout the process, did a really good job. Um, Caleb Johnson, you know, not a lot of people realize this, but Tommy Reese played a huge, huge role in landing that commitment and staying on him. Um, even behind the scenes, and I mentioned it at irishillustrated.com, uh, Bill Reese, there's a, there's a family connection there. Um, and, uh, just a relationship there between the Johnsons and, and the Reese's and just kind of staying in touch there, keeping on him. Um, and then obviously J- Jeff Quinn sealing the deal as well, but, but not a lot of people realize that Reese was, was huge with getting him, um, to, uh, not end up at Auburn. Um, but there's nobody in that, from that group that I'm higher on than Joe all and, and, um, Blake and Rocco probably won't love to hear that because, and obviously, <laughs> I think of it, but if I'm, if I'm literally projecting out of who I think is going to be the highest drafted player from this group, um, I really think it's going to be Joe Alt because he just has everything and he's packing on the pounds and he looks so good. And he's, he went from like that 240 pound kid that when they were first evaluating him to now being 280 pounds plus, um, honestly, I, w- I wish he was enrolling early because I think Matt Bayless would just be licking his chops to see what he could do with him mold him, get him prepared. Um, I don't see him as a guy that's necessarily going to play in year one, but in year two, I mean, look out. I mean, the, the, his ceiling and his potential through the roof. Um, very excited to see what he does, uh, at the next level. And I think one of the more unheralded guys is Pat Coogan. I mean, he's a mauler, he's a dog. Uh, it was a good job by Notre Dame for getting a kid out of Chicago. Um, just kind of keeping that pipeline strong. And, um, and I think he's one of the more underrated kids in this class as well, just because he's a safe bet to be a solid player, at the next level and, and whether he's your center of, of the future after Jarrett Patterson or a guard, um, you want that, that kind of badass uh, mentality um, that, that you, you know, in the trenches and those guys, man, those five guys, they're going to fit so well together. Um, Tyler Buckner is going to be very happy because he's going to have a lot of time uh, to, you know, find his receivers back there. Well, speaking of guys pecking on pounds, there's, there's a, there's a big guy out of Ohio, Mitchell Evans, tight, tight end. Is, is he a guy you could see that I, I thought his name got brought up in the press conference, uh, yesterday. Uh, and I, I even think of someone, some about defensive end or defensive line. Anyways, is Mitchell Evans, a guy that, that might see a position switch, uh, during his time in South Bend. You know, I pressed a lot of my sources throughout the process to see what, what the move there was, because I've talked to, uh, college coaches from across the country that have evaluated him closely, watched him. And there's a lot of people that I've spoken to that think he could be uh, an offensive tackle, an offensive lineman, and a very, very good one um, as he continues to add weight um, because he's so athletic. I mean, this is a kid that legitimately could walk in at Notre Dame right now and kind of find himself in the quarterback room. He could play tight end. You're right. He absolutely could, you know, put his hand in the dirt and be a defensive lineman. But from what I'm told, I mean, I think the plan is to still use him at tight end. Um, I know Tommy Reese and John McNulty are very high on him. Love the athleticism. I think that that duo did a really good job of recruiting him. Um, and uh, as of now, I mean, unless I'm missing something, the, the plan is to keep him at tight end because, again, they think he's really athletic. Um, they worked really hard to get him. I know Pitt, Florida State really wanted him and made, made some moves throughout the process. But um, this is just a damn good football player, um, a guy you want in your roster because – um, I don't care where he plays. He's going to end up being just a good player for Notre Dame. He's going to help this team. Um, he's a popular kid among the recruits and I mean the signees and the commits, but 
Um, yeah, I don't know where he necessarily projects down the road, but right now it really does seem like he's going to be a tight end, which, like I said, kind of surprises me and surprises some of the coaches I've talked to across the country. As a as a Packer fan and uh, speaking to a lot of Steeler fans as well, I always say, you know, I really I stopped paying attention to what Green Bay or Pittsburgh does in the NFL draft because they just they just always seem to know what they're doing and it, things end up working out and they've been on a been winning forever. Um, so with that in that regard, I, I think of Mike Elston and what Notre Dame does along the defensive line, and it's. And it hasn't been flashy, uh, you know, high fours or five-star kids along the defensive line, except Notre Dame's had one of the better defensive fronts in college football over the years. And Mike Elson has done a tremendous job developing talent that's getting drafted into the NFL. Uh, so I thought his comments at the press conference were kind of telling, you know, like we're a developmental program. So what, what's your assessment of who Notre Dame brought in on their defensive line? And does that does – that, give a kind of a sense of ease. No one like, all right, well, this guy isn't like the highest rated guy, but you know, inside Elson's system, this guy's going to kick ass here in about two or three years. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the guys they brought in. I mean, like I said, I, I think that, and that's the thing I, I trust Mike Elston as a coach. Right. I think he's going to do a really good job. Um, and I think he's one of the smartest guys on the coaching staff and, um, he gets a lot out of his players um, and, uh, so, so again, it come, kind of comes down to putting trust in the position coach. Um, and I mean, Isaiah Foskey is a guy that's going to be an absolute star. Um, he's already seen, um, you know, he's already made flashes. So you, you see what he's doing with a guy like that. Um, there's no question that he'll be able to do that with Devin Apu. Um, and then you, you add, you know, a guy like Will Schweitzer to the roster who, uh, is pretty intriguing because he legitimately could play linebacker rush the passer. Um, he could be your defensive end, which I think he's just going to grow into. Um, I know Elston mentioned him yesterday. So, uh, I mean, as a whole, I mean, those two guys by themselves, I mean, that's, those were big wins for Notre Dame. Um, but then you add, you know, down the road, you're going to add a guy like Jason Anya. And I, I think that's a guy that it's, I, I don't know necessarily how good he's going to be down the road. Um, but there's a lot of people that think he's got a chance to be like, a freakish kind of defensive lineman because he's so big, but there's not like any or a lot of bad weight. Um, he's probably going to be, in, you know, in the interior of the defensive line at some way in, in some form or fashion, but he can also rush the passer off the edge. I mean, he's a guy that despite his really, really low early ranking, I know he made some movement at some point, um, at least for us in the composite rankings, but he was pretty low and Notre Dame was pushing for him and they love this kid. So, uh, but, but, Above the rest of them, Gabriel Rubio is the guy that Notre Dame is most high on. Uh, just a, he was a four-star prospect out of Missouri, and, and he's a guy that Notre Dame targeted early, and they pretty much kind of really shut it down because they were so focused on him. And um, I thought it was pretty cool that Elston mentioned the fact that he kind of pushed him to improve academically and show him that they can you know, essentially be a take for Notre Dame, and he did. He put in the work, and it doesn't surprise me. Knowing that kid, knowing that family – um, work ethic is not a question. I mean, that is, that comes very easy. I mean, these guys are very hardworking and Gabe is exactly that. So he put in the work and wanted to be at Notre Dame and he did everything necessary to get that opportunity and he jumped on it. So, um, you meet this kid, he's one of the nicest kids you'll ever meet. Um, and, um, very excited about his potential and his future. Um, he's going to be a really good player at Notre Dame. So, 
Uh, Prince Kali back here at linebacker wins the wins the high school buckus award. Notre Dame's already had two of those guys and Tay Howe and Jalen Smith. Uh, both those guys were five stars uh, as high school players. So what's what's the what's the deal here, Tom? What give give what's twenty four sevens reasoning uh, for still not having him ranked like inside the top hundred? Is it is it really have? I mean, does it really come down to just like maybe like an inch or two? Uh, because you you know he just jumps off the film with his athleticism. He reminds, uh, you know, you can remind people of a Jalen Smith, uh, out there the way he, uh, is with his speed and just wrecking things. Yeah. I mean, our guys, um, I want to make it very clear. I'm not, I, our, yeah, our I'm, guys, not, I'm not, put, I'm not putting you guys down. No, I just, no, no, I, no, I got I'm you. Just, I got you completely. Cause I yeah. trust me. I question it as well. I mean, if I'm ranking Prince, I have him, I don't have him as a five star, but I have him top 50 nationally. No question. Um, but our guys ended up with, I think, at 92 or 93, something like that. And so he's inside the top 100, which is the higher ranking among the sites, I believe, because his, his composite was closer to 150. So um, I love that. I like that we you know, are the, the, the highest ranking for him at this point. And, and our guys really did love him. I mean, he's right there. And when Barton Simmons was with us before taking the job at Vanderbilt, he's right in his backyard in Tennessee. Uh, and they I mean, you talk to him, you talk to Steve Wolfon. These guys love this kid. Um, how, you know, how reckless he plays in, in terms of, and I mean that as a compliment, he's just like reckless towards his own body. I mean, he's just ferocious right, right. and throws his body around, uh, he plays really, fe- you know, he's a fearless player and, um, he's just a thumper and you want guys like that in your system, a guy that cares more about making the play than, than his own body. Um, and so, so again, I don't necessarily agree with the final ranking. Um, you know, in this class, I think I had him. Definitely top five, but I had a few others above him. Um, I think Priester may have had him the highest at maybe two or three. Um, but overall, I mean, this guy is literally one of the top defensive players in all of high school football. Um, and I mean, I don't know if he's going to play Rover or whatever, but he's just going to be a damn good football player. No question. He's one of the safest players, in my opinion, in this entire class. Um, maybe it could be a height thing, not being able to see him in person. I don't know if he's closer to six foot or six two. Um, you know, things like that matter um, when it comes to the rankings. They want to know your arm length. They want to know your – and our guys at 24-7 and put so much stock into the future and growth potential and your physical attributes. So I'd like to see him in person to get a you know a real good idea um, of, of how he physically looks. Um, but if he's really like 6'2", 220 pounds already, um, yeah, he's absolutely one of the you know 50 best players in, in all of high school football, and he's going to be a star at Notre Dame. One of the things we saw, you know, clear as day uh, when Notre Dame played Alabama was just the difference there is in the perimeter of with playmakers, especially a wide receiver and what Alabama was able to do. And I mean, it's unfair with a guy like Devontae Smith, but it is what it is. And that that's what that's the world we're living in, what we have to deal with. So, you know, one of the bigger, you know, the focus and spotlight is on what Notre Dame has done at their own wide receiver position. There's been some, you know, kind of weird things going on on the roster just with injuries and guys not developing as, as quickly as we'd like uh, on the roster right now. But in these three guys, Lorenzo styles, um, uh, Deion Colsey and, and Jaden Thomas, how do, how, how do they stack up to what Notre Dame needs to really start to become more of a, uh, to be, you know, elite talent there out on the edge. So I really like Lorenzo styles. I think he's truly one of the best, offensive talents in the country, um, ridiculous work ethic. I mean, he's every time I would touch base with him, he was at the gym or at home or working out or whatever the case may be. 
really, really high on him. I think he's going to be a tremendous talent at the next level, a guy that plays early. Um, Notre Dame feels the same way. They're very high on this kid. Um, Deion Coles, he's a guy that blew me away when he visited for summer camp. He made uh, for that summer camp in, in, I don't know if it was June or whatever it was, a year or two ago, and, and when he got that offer, and he was just so good, uh, made things look very easy. He was a clear offer target, and he got it, I think, a day after the camp was over or two days after. Um, he's he's big. He's strong. He's he's you know he's long. Um, he could be everything that Miles Boykin was at Notre Dame, if not if not a little bit more, to be quite honest. Um, and then Jaden Thomas. Jaden Thomas, in my opinion, is one of the more intriguing guys in this class because. He's he I don't think he does anything that's going to really like blow you away, um, whether it, whether it's his speed or his route running or his hands. But I really think he's one of the better football players in this class on the offensive side of the ball. Um, he's he's he is fairly smooth as a route runner. Um, he catches the ball with ease. I mean, he's a natural pass catcher. Um, I, I don't know what kind of times he's going to be running. Um, that are going to blow you away. I mean, this guy's not going to turn around and be Devontae Smith or anything like that. But, but I think that that Notre Dame, for the most part, um, I I had this wide receiver class as a B. Um, I think there was some guys that would have been difference makers that would have pushed them up to an A. Whether it was like a Dante Thornton, who I think just oozes potential and he's going to be a freak at Oregon uh, with Joe Moorhead there and Mario Cristobal. Uh, Bo Collins ended up at Clemson that I thought was a um, a top 50, top 60 kid nationally that I think would have done really well at Notre Dame. Um, I'm just trying to think of any other guys off the top of my head. Um, Do you think Notre Dame should have took a fourth wide receiver? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't take a wide receiver because of, you know, for a body. Um, I look at some of the guys that I think truly could have been potential difference makers. If that became available, um, I would have offered a fourth or I mean, pushed for a fourth guy. Um, I know from day one, um, Dell Alexander really only prefers three because he feels like four is too many. So he only really wants three in a class. That's kind of always been the preference. Um, but again, I mean, if you can get a guy that's really a difference maker at that four spot and the other guys, I don't think you really worry if the other guys are okay with it. You're trying to add to the best you're trying to add the best players possible to the roster. So, right. um, in my opinion, if like a guy I really liked and a guy that I know Notre Dame really liked was Jaden Alexis that ended up at Texas ridiculous speed um just a really really good player out of florida if he had come available at some point um notre dame no question um in my opinion at least would have made a run at him um they would have taken dante thornton but but again i mean they really prefer three they like the thing the three that they got i could see them trying to look in the transfer portal maybe for an addition there but like i said don't don't really ever expect a fourth receiver um when alexander's you know coaching in notre dame uh, you may have already answered this question a little bit there, but was there was there a player or two that uh, that Notre Dame missed on that did just missed on that you're just like oh, you know that that was a that was a guy they they coulda shoulda other than like like maybe like a Will Shipley or or something like that. Um yeah, I mean Will Will Shipley's a clear one. Uh, Brock Bowers I thought was a phenomenal player and a great fit. Um, I don't care if he wanted to play tight end, defensive end, whatever. And I know Notre Dame would have been okay with whatever he wanted to play. He's just a very good football player. Brock Bowers would have been a very welcome addition uh, to the Notre Dame football program. Great, great fit, both academically, socially, um, athletically, all that. Um, he was probably the the biggest one out of this class that I thought that if Notre Dame 
could have, I don't even necessarily know if they would have done anything different to be able to land him because he visited, he hit it off with the coaching staff. Ryan Poling did a really good job there. Um, the guy that I think, and it's tough because he ends up at Alabama, so it's kind of like, did they really have a shot? Was Dallas Turner, five-star defensive end, one of the best players in the entire country. You spend five minutes on that phone, on the phone with him, and you're going to realize, wow, this kid could go to Notre Dame. I mean, just a tremendous young man, um, great fit, um, equally strong in the classroom as he is at um, on the football field. Um, he went to St. Thomas Aquinas in, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So um, there was some connections there with the Notre Dame roster, like Drew White. Um, but man, I mean, I am talking tremendous, tremendous fit. 4.0 plus GPA, if I remember correctly. He was probably the guy that I think if Notre Dame would have gotten in early and really made a run at him, like, like let's just pretend he's a 2022 kid and you're pairing Mike Elston and Marcus Freeman to get this kid. I think they have a better shot at landing him. In the end, he picked Alabama. So he may have always wanted to go to Alabama and that was going to be the final result. But I think that Freeman and Elston, if they would have gotten on, on Turner early, like I said, if that was realistic, they would have had a much better shot at landing him. But man, he was a guy, talk about a difference maker. I mean, that kid is going to be, it wouldn't, it would be, it would surprise me if he wasn't one day a first round pick out of Alabama. Did, do you think Notre Dame did enough at safety this cycle? I, I, with, you know, with, uh, with Kyle Hamilton, you know, probably leaving, uh, unfortunately, you know, after this year. And then even if Houston Griffith turns around and has a good season this year, uh, he's, you know, he's most likely going to be gone. There's, there's a kind of a giant hole there, um, because of what they didn't do the last cycle, uh, Justin Walters and then Kari Gee, who was a late addition to this class, did Notre Dame do enough here? Or was, was this one of those cycles where there just wasn't enough on the board for him? Before Kari G committed, um, I felt like they were missing a piece. Um, and again, I'm not Marcus Freeman. I'm not Mike Mickens. Um, and I'm not, you know, obviously as long as until it becomes official, Chris O'Leary, the new safeties coach. So, uh, I don't know how they're necessarily going to get moved. I don't know what they're going to do with Philip Riley, who I think could play safety or maybe even linebacker. Um, Ryan Barnes could play, could play both. I mean, just cause Philip Riley is a big kid. Um, and I think he can, he's got position flexibility where he could play like three different spots in the defense. Um, Ryan Barnes, Justin Walters, Kari G chance Tucker, I think is a true corner. Um, but the rest of those guys, I mean, they, there's, they could move around no question. So I don't know how they're going to end up, um, in that defense. Like Kari G I think is a true safety. I think that's where he's going to stick. I know there's talk about potentially moving him to linebacker and LSU was thinking about it, but before he committed, I felt like they were missing a piece and I am so high on this kid that I, I mean, this is, this was a huge pickup. Terry Joseph, great job by him before leaving to Texas for getting this kid. Um, top 10 player in this class, um, probably closer to five, in my opinion. Um, he is a, he is just an outstanding football player. I, 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 he's not Kyle Hamilton. Very few people are, but he is one of the closer things in this class to him. When you watch the tape and you compare him, um, I just feel like he might be a step slower than Kyle. Maybe it's the speed instincts, whatever the case may be. But this kid is such a good football player. Um, he is a guy that's going to turn some heads during his time at Notre Dame. So love that. I think that that's what kind of solidified the defensive back recruiting this class. I mean that, and then at corner, and I don't want to jump ahead, but that landing Jojo Johnson, who I think is going to be 
a star at Notre Dame down the road. I mean, I think Marcus Lane, Freeman singled him out yesterday too. Yeah, and 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 rightfully so. And I know I know Brian Polian uh, did before as well um, during the early period. And uh, Mike Mickens loves this kid. I mean, when adding JoJo Johnson and Kari G late was was in my opinion adding two. I don't know right away, but down the road, difference makers for the Notre Dame defense. Okay, just a couple, couple more here before we go. I we do look at things uh, in these two-year cycles, and it, which is which is actually a really healthy way to look at, uh, at recruiting, especially at a place like Notre Dame. So, how does this class help in this two-year cycle for the 20, 2021 and twenty twenty class? Does do all the pieces seem to fit? Uh, is there a, is there a massive hole still? You you talked about um, Gee coming in and kind of filling that spot for you at safety. Uh, so how did how do they do the, uh, these two years here? Um, I think when you're looking at both, which is I mean you're asking me to think about the 2020 class off the top of my head, which is right. Just <laughs> on 2022 now at this point, but like when you really look at the and and I and I like what, where your head's at because you want to really put those two together. Um, so I'm, I'm a fan of looking at it that way. So like, I love Tyler Buckner at quarterback, but I'm going to have Michael Mayer obviously as my tight end. So he's the best, best that you're going to land at that position. And then you look at receiver and you, you add a Jordan Johnson with Lorenzo styles in this class, the offensive line group was ridiculous, um, in both classes. And then you got Chris Tyree. I mean, if you can have like an offensive line, if you can have like a Tosh Baker on one side and then a Joe Alt and then Fisher and Spindler on the inside. Like, are you kidding me? Um, that's, that's our embarrassment of riches. Um, and then at running back, when you got Diggs and Estime and Tyree, um, I really think that this, cl- these last two classes, um, is going to continue. And again, I know I can't predict a national championship. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's Alabama and the rest and everybody's playing catch up, but the way Notre Dame is recruiting, they are 100% going to continue to be in the mix over the next four years. Um, and I don't know if that's going to mean continuing just 10 wins, which last I checked is pretty damn good. Um, it may not be good enough for everybody, but it's it's damn good, and it's not something that a lot of schools can do. So at some point, you got to be at least very happy with the production on the field. Not everybody's going to be winning a national championship. I'm sure Clemson, I'm sure Ohio State, they're just as disappointed um, that they didn't win a title this year either, as Notre Dame didn't. But when you look at these two classes and you look at some of the past classes in the years before, you like and you look at you know the way they're starting 22, this, rec- this staff is recruiting at a very high level. And I think with some of the additions on the coaching staff, um, it's only going to improve. So again, I know not everybody's happy with 10 and two or may not even be happy with 11 and one or whatever the case may be, but like Which is this, ridiculous. This staff gets after it. I love what they're doing. Um, they're, they're putting in the work and I know what, not everybody's going to love to hear that. And they think it's just Homer talk or blowing smoke, but it's a fact. The staff gets after it. Um, I don't think you're going to be seeing any type of four and eight or six and six or any type of seasons close to that. I mean, this should be a 10 win season at the minimum every year moving forward. Uh, I got 12 and 0, but that's uh, that's a whole different story. <laughs> you brought 2022 up, not me. So uh, my last question for you here, uh, Tom, uh, one of the things that, that is really noticeable early in this 2022 cycle coming up is how many offers are actually out from Notre Dame. I I think that they normally have like around 80 to 88 offers uh, 
right around the signing day for the next class out. And now we're looking at like 130, 140 offers out. What's, what's, is the, you know, what's the difference this year? Is there a philosophical change in, in how and why they're getting offers out? Or is this just, this is just some random thing? I mean, I don't know if it's a philosophical change. Um, like I said, they're getting after it. They know that they're trying to compete and they're trying to get a top five class and they're, they're trying to um, take that next step to compete with an Alabama. Um, there's a couple schools that are in that threshold and, and Notre Dame's right there as well, but they need to offer kids earlier and they've been doing a much better job at that. Um, I know everybody's going to go crazy and say, why did they take forever to offer Ty Simpson, one of the better quarterbacks in the 22 class? Well, if it's if for like, let me just throw this out there. Tommy Reese, they don't offer a lot of quarterbacks. They essentially offered one last cycle and they landed him in Tyler Buckner. There's something to be said for a recruiting pitch of you're our guy. And if you look at our offer list, we're proving that, you know, Alabama offered 10 quarterbacks already in 22. You know, that's, that's a, again, it's Alabama. So it's, you do things differently there, but that's right. not, Thing you can that's a strong pitch for Notre Dame you know what I mean like even Ty Simpson he was only their third quarterback offer so I like what they're doing regarding getting offers out early but I don't want them offering a bunch of quarterbacks I think that's ridiculous I think you do your due diligence you take your time that's one position that you need to be very patient with the rest of them whatever there's going to be a lot of guys you're not going to get in the class <laughs> throw the offers out there if you see a damn good football player offer him then worry about making sure that that's, that's an academic fit. Because if it's not, you, you make it very clear to them, hey, we need you to do this to get into school. If you don't, we literally cannot take you. It's just a fact. It's what's Notre Dame. It's the Notre Dame way. It's how they do things. Um, their hands are tied in some form or fashion. But, but at least they can't say that they, they, weren't, they weren't on them early. Exactly. Right? That's, that, right. that means more than anything to these kids. They, be, they want to know. Um, they want an offer early. Um, they want to be loved up this and that, and they will also be smart enough to understand if they don't do the right thing in the classroom and Notre Dame can't offer them anymore. Or on the flip side, if Notre Dame just can't take them anymore because they filled up in the end, number, it's a business. So the right kids are going to get it. And if you don't, it is what it is and you move on. But I like the fact that they're getting out there. I think, like you said, they have over 130 scholarship offers out there. Um, they're not going to take 130 kids. They're not going to get them all, but Kudos to them for getting some offers out there and then doing some research behind the scenes. Um, but again, that part kind of proves my point. I mean, these guys are constantly evaluating fresh tape and doing what they can to make sure that they, they get a little closer to a top five class. Absolutely. Well, all right. Well, Tom, thank you very much. I, I, I'd say go get some rest, but I know recruiting doesn't stop. And I, <laughs> I, I know you've been hit it hard today as it is for, 20, for 2022. So thank you again for taking the time to come on the show, buddy. You got it, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Well, back to the show. All right. Well, that was some fantastic stuff from Tom, who's getting hit with a, a bunch of snow. Uh, uh, man, this, these snowstorms just uh, fantastic here in February. It was so dry. Anyways, uh, so good stuff. We are slowly but surely wrapping up our National Signing Day 2021 recruiting coverage up over on one foot down um, over the next, over the course of next few days, uh, probably have all that um, taken care of. And look, and 
we've all moved on to 2022 already. I mean, there's already been a, a bunch of news. Of course, there's, um, uh, you know, what, four or five commitments already for 2022. So recruiting doesn't stop, never stops, uh, won't stop. Uh, I appreciate Tom for taking the time to uh, to come chat with me for a few minutes ab- about it all. And, you know, just continually uh, monitor the situation. It, it's going to be, it already feels like a whole different ball game with Marcus Freeman there. Uh, and so who knows what to expect as we go through these months. Um, but excited to to get to spring football, whatever that may be or how that may look uh, with what 14 new, uh, early enrollees from this 2021 class on there. Uh, going to make some, going to make things interesting. So thanks again for stopping by again. I want to remind everybody, get over to Apple podcasts, leave that rating, leave the review. All reviews left will be read on the next OFD podcast. And that's your, that's your meal ticket. That's your ticket to say whatever you want to say. If you don't like me, if you don't like Jude, if you love Brendan, if you you know love a, a good 12 pack of paps, uh, whatever it is, you can leave that there. Let us know. Uh, and, uh, and, and then the rest of the world, uh, or at least the thousands of listeners on this show, uh, will hear. So thanks again. And as always, go Irish.